Before I dive into what I want to talk about, maybe not even what I want to talk about, what I have to talk about, I want to, uh, I want to punctuate uh, something that Ron said, but most especially some of the teaching that you've heard the last, especially two or three weeks. I went up to Alan after the, the service last week, and I said, hey, man, you almost preached my sermon. <laughs> Uh, because because what he started into right at the end last week really is a segue into what I uh, will be talking about this morning. But um, you've heard some very good teaching, especially about financial stewardship. And I just want to I just want to stand up here and throw a couple of exclamation points on it and say, pay attention to what he's saying because it's a good word. It's a sound word, it's a biblical word, it's a scriptural word, and God's, uh, God's promises and principles are always true. And I, will, and I will even throw another punctuation on it and just say uh, that either Peg or I or both of us together would be more than happy to sit and talk with anybody. If you have any doubt about the veracity or the legitimacy of what uh, Pastor Allen's been teaching, We'll, we will be glad to tell you, no, it's absolutely true. The principles work. God's proven himself faithful to us in so many ways. And, and, uh, and by the way, for 41 years tomorrow, well, la- last year, last year it was Father's Day was on our 40th anniversary. This is our 41st anniversary tomorrow. Then. Well, thank you. Um, I tell people getting married was probably the smartest thing I ever did. Uh, well surrendering to the lordship of Jesus was the smartest thing I ever did marrying that woman was the second smartest thing I ever did because uh, she's she's a blessing to me in in every way the reason I said that Alan segued a little bit into today's topic is because if you recall uh, right at the end last week he said that Uh, be careful because financial difficulties can lead to worry and anxiety. And uh, worry and anxiety are what we're going to talk about today. And you may say, wow, Steve, what a a downer topic for a beautiful Father's Day. Um, It's not intended to be a downer topic. Um, It's on my heart, and I believe it needs to be shared. Before I dive into it, I want to be sure that we're straight on some definitions. Uh, I'm going to use two words interchangeably, anxiety and worry. They're not exactly interchangeable. In the New Testament Greek, the same Greek word is sometimes translated worry, sometimes it's translated anxiety. Once in a while, it's it's translated as care. Uh, But... Uh, if you go to, you know, if you go to Webster's or the Cambridge Dictionary or someplace like that, if you read the definition of anxiety, one of the synonyms or one of the words that means the same thing is worry. And if you go to the word worry, uh, anxiety will come up as a synonym. That makes sense? There is a very slight difference between the two. Anxiety is when we have this disquietude, unease. Uh, we're, we're, tr- we're troubled in our spirit. Um, nervousness, sometimes it can be fear. Um, 
the slight distinction is worry is when our mind is focused on that anxiety, all right? But I'm going to use the two interchangeably if that's all right, and I don't think anyone here is going to have any trouble understanding that. I want to also be clear about a couple things that are not anxiety and worry. Um, we have, we, there's, a, there's a place for us to have concerns. Concerns are legitimate. Generally, the difference is, if we have a concern, it's something that we can control the outcome of, and it's our, oftentimes our responsibility to put together a plan. Let me tell you a real simple concern. Uh, you looked in the fridge and you're out of milk, and the kids aren't going to have milk with uh, their Cheerios tomorrow, but that's something you can go take care of, all right? Uh, so you have a slight concern, you can implement a plan, you can go take care of the concern. I'm also not talking about grief or sorrow. Grief or sorrow aren't anxiety. Does that make sense? And they're not worry. Now, they could lead to. I think we have to be careful. What does the word say about Jesus back in Isaiah when it was prophesied? It's a man acquainted with sorrow. Jesus was acquainted with sorrow. And I'll tell you what, we will be too. Because that's part of living a human life. We live a human life. We are going to experience loss of friends and loved ones and relatives. And we are going to naturally grieve. I believe Jesus grieved and I believe Jesus experienced sorrow. And I believe, uh, I'm not trying to sound doomy and gloomy, those are not anxiety. Those are not worry. There's a very dis distinct difference when we're talking about grief and sorrow we're talking about something that is happening right now or something that's behind us all right we look back we look backward at it when we are talking about anxiety and worry we're borrowing trouble that hasn't come yet that's the very definition of it that they are forward-looking they're forward-looking uh things so everybody clear on definition no no uh no issues or or confusion there. Why is it that this is an important thing to talk about? Well, the first reason I'm going to give you is because I believe it's what the Lord laid on my heart. Why am I going to stand here and talk about this today? Because it's what I'm supposed to talk about. All right. The second reason is because I believe that worry and anxiety are nearly rampant in the church and in the lives of believers. Present company may be excluded. We'll see, but I don't think this word would be on my heart if it wasn't for at least somebody here. Um, and, I, and I realize there may be many of you that, that what I teach today has been woven into your life and fully understood for decades. But praise God, I hope that's the case. But I also realize that I'm not unlikely to say a few things that maybe you haven't even heard or thought of before. And I just believe that um, worry and anxiety in the lives of believers manifests its, itself in ways that are very detri detrimental to individual walk and they're very detri detrimental to uh, the health of the church at large. And, and everyone knows, I say this each time I'm up here, when I say the church, I don't mean living stone, I mean the visible church in the world today because it's probably a recurrent comment that you that you hear from me 
uh, all that glitters isn't gold out there in the church. You guys know that, right? A lot of what, a lot of what passes as the church uh, is a long ways off the path of what God ever intended for the body of Christ to be and to look like and how it functions. <clears throat> I want to read you a quote. Um, and you can guess who said this and when they said it. This is a quote. Historians will probably call our era the age of anxiety. Anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and His will for us. Anyone heard that quote before? Billy Graham, 1965. And I would dare say that Billy Graham, a very faithful servant of the Lord, couldn't have even imagined how true those words were when he spoke them in 1965. Why is it important to, for us to understand this and why is it important to, to dive into the issue, the problem of worry and anxiety today? Because I believe it's, it's uh, more widespread abroad than it has ever been in human history. That's my personal conviction. You could uh, challenge me on that, but come armed if you want to because I think all the evidence is no, there, there's no doubt about that. And the reason is because we're in an age of instantaneous communication in which anxiety can be communicated or fed or sold to you this fast all the way around the world, 24-7, 365. We, we have to be so careful about that, but I jump ahead of myself. I want everybody to know that I'm not up here because I think there's some absence of sound teaching abroad. There's a lot of sound teaching on this topic. There's been a lot of books written about it. You could find some good sermons, I'm sure. You could find some good teaching tapes or, or CDs. And I'm not up here because I think I have some brand new angle on this topic. But I will tell you that I have listened to and read and watched teaching that I think falls a ways short of nailing the root problem. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of teaching that falls in the category of what I would call band-aid teaching. That makes sense to everyone? If I have a big thorn in my hand and I say, Pastor, can you help me? Oh yeah, I can slap a band-aid on it for you. Well, all that did is kept me from being able to see the thorn, and it kept you from being able to see the thorn. But it didn't do anything about the thorn. And it might, it might make me look a little better. It might make my, my appearance a little less obtrusive because you don't have to look at this festering thing. But at the bottom line, the thorn's still there. And I believe that a, there's a fair amount of teaching about worry and anxiety that falls in the same category. Namely, that there's been some Band-Aid teaching about it. You know, I'll zoom ahead a little to the punchline, but I'm going to draw this out more as we go forward. I think the reason that there's a missed focus in a lot of teaching about worry and anxiety is because the primary, the primary focus of the teaching is, well, you're worried and I want to help you stop worrying. It's about, it's about you. And I'm going to submit to you, that's not, the, that's not the primary 
travesty that's involved when believers are, are caught up in worry. You know what the primary travesty is? What it does to the Father. That's the primary. And closely coupled with that, what it does to the precious reputation. You see, if we as, if we as disciples of Jesus Christ, if we have one identifiable attribute, undeniable, that the world around us should look at and see, it's what? Peace and joy. They should know us by our love for one another, and they should see our peace and our joy. And I'm going to tell you what, folks. When the world looks inside the church and sees the same level of anxiety and the same level of worry that it sees everywhere else it looks, something is badly, badly wrong. That ought not be. That's, it's, it's shameful that that would be the case. That within the body of Christ... There's a manifestation of a spirit of anxiety and worry that really belongs to the world. It doesn't belong to us. It doesn't belong to the church. All right? What does the Word have to say about this? Well, the Word has a lot to say. And uh, Vance, if you could uh, put up Matthew 6. Uh, oh, you have it up. You have it up there. Okay, and in the New American Standard, good. Um, I'm just going to say this. I think I have two, th two dozen scriptures here. We're not going to have time to go to two dozen. This is going to be the primary one. I'm probably going to quote a couple of others. We might put a couple of others up on the screen. But this is not a passage of scripture that people are unfamiliar with. This is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, most of you have probably read this scores of times. Many of you may have had it heard, uh, preached or taught about scores of times. I go to this passage because this is Jesus talking. And when he, when he lays out this teaching... He has quite a bit to say in this particular passage about worry and anxiety. Let's read through it. This is Matthew 6. And we're starting with verse 25. For this reason I say to you, hold on a second, for what reason? Anytime it says, for this reason, well, we need to back up a little bit and see what he was talking about. We could, we could back up to verse uh, 23 or 24, or you can take my word for it. What did he just said to them? He said, you can't serve two masters. He said, you cannot serve two masters. That was the last thing he said. And then he said, for this reason, I say, for this reason. What reason? Because you can't serve two masters. And what were the two masters? God and mammon. And what is mammon? Well, wealth or the love of wealth. But I think in the broadest sense, self-interest. That's really what it is. That's really what mammon is. It's I'm, I'm interested in me. I'm interested in my stuff, not interested in God's stuff. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried. The literal, uh, the literal uh, translation from the Greek is, quit being worried. 
Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Let's go to the next verse, 26. In fact, I'm going to read this through to the end because we'll come back to pieces of it in a little bit. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. I'm, I have to stop and point out something there. When Jesus used the term Gentiles here, what did he mean in relative terms? He's talking about pagans, really. I mean, we, we all understand we're Gentiles grafted in, but this was before that. And when he used the term Gentiles, he's talking about pagan people, all right? For these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself, or tomorrow will worry about itself. That's the actual translation. Tomorrow will worry about itself. It has enough worries of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Victoria, if you could just leave that up. I'll probably zoom back to different scriptures in, uh, bit by bit. So what's the big deal? What's the big deal about worry? I think there could be somebody here that said, hey man, I've been doing this all my life. What are you, what are you talking about? Nobody ever told me it was, uh, it was bad or no one ever told me uh, it should be different. How many times have you heard someone say, well... You know, my mom was a worrier, and uh, I got that genetically from her, or my grandma was a worrywart, and I think I got it, it's in my DNA uh, to be that way. Well, you know, it might be in your DNA to be that way, but you're not bound to be that way, because you're a new creation, all right? And, and, and we're not... It, it is absolutely true, and it's undeniable, that each of us uh, are born with, with some personality characteristics, some differences that, that are going to show up between us and other people. But, but I'm just going to call anyone out if they say, well, the reason that I worry and I'm anxious is because, you know, I inherited it. That's just how it is. Uh, it, no, it's not just how it is. 
you, you may have inherited it, but it's not just how it is and it's not just how it needs to be. When, you know, a reason this is a big deal is because worriers live in the future. Okay? Worriers spend their time living in the future. And we say, well, what's so bad about that? Well, there's a lot bad with it. If the future is imagination being used in a way that's corrupted from what God originally intended. All right? What, what is worry and anxiety? God gave us imagination. It's when we're using our imagination in a wrong way. We're using our imagination to build uh, castles in the sky or some other uh, vain th picture that isn't even reality. And yet, it can be consuming to people. To, to the thing that they've envisioned, the thing that they've imagined, the thing that they have locked in to worry about can just be absolutely consuming. By the way, I have seen and I have heard and I know of people who believe that worrying is the way they show they care. Ever run into that one? And if I just stepped on your toes, well, sorry, you know, if you think that's how you show your care, I'm just telling you, it's not a scriptural way to show care, all right? It's not a scriptural way. I think it's a very commonly accepted way. And, and, I, and I think as believers, I have run into this many times, and I'm sure some of you have too. Have you ever been in a situation where... Uh, something tense is happening there's there's you know it's it's a fire it's a fire alarm and there's a real fire it's a tornado drill and there really is a tornado or fill in your own blank there's something going down that um, that is significant I have had people mad at me because they didn't think I was worried the way I should be worried. Have you ever encountered this? You, you will encounter this where people, people are actually upset with you because you're not sharing their anxiety with them. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, don't share their anxiety with them. <laughs> that's, that's for them to go be anxious if, if they so choose. It's not for us to be anxious. It's not for us to worry. And I, and I think some, some of what I have to say here today may sound like, well, Steve, you know, come on. Uh, you're talking like la-la land. You mean no worries? That's what I mean. No worries. In fact, when, when I told Andy... If it, if it needs a title, title it, No Worries. No worries, mate. <laughs> Not because it's impossible. We can succumb, but we don't have to. All right? I'm still on the list of what's the big deal about this. I talked about... Uh, Worriers living in the future. Peg asked me a week or two ago, she said, do you know what you're going to be speaking about? And I said, yeah. So a couple mornings ago, I think this was at breakfast, she said, hey, I have a great quote for you. <laughs> it 
And this is a this is a Winston Churchill quote. And by the way, dear, I did some research, and this same quote, Thomas Jefferson. I mean, it goes back a long ways. But here's, but, but it's a little bit tongue in cheek. I'm an old man, and I've known a great many troubles in my life, but most of them never happened. <laughs> that's the that's the fruit of worry. And how many times have we experienced that? Something that loomed ahead of us, that we actually had a fair amount of trepidation, or we had a fair amount of nervousness and anxiety, it never happened. We got all ready, we got all our defenses up, we got all ready to defend ourselves, or we got all ready to whack this dragon when it reared its ugly head, and it never happened. <laughs> It never happened. One of the reasons that worry and anxiety are so detrimental is they divert our attention from others to ourselves. What did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do you know that if your mind is wrapped up in anxiety and worry, you're not going to be able to quite fulfill that commandment. Did you ever think about that? Because your mind, at least part of your mind, is diverted to something that it shouldn't be. If you just stop and think for a moment, how many, how many sins and sinful attitudes can arise from anxiety and worry? It's just the spawning ground. I mean, if it's financial uh, anxiety, you know, it can, it can lead to greed and covetousness and maybe ultimately stealing. Or if it's, uh, you know, if it's uh, something to do with uh, uh, what, what we think someone is going to think about us, well, then it might, we might start going, well, I can't let them know that part about me, so I need to hide that part over here. And we could actually be living with hidden... Uh, with hidden sins or hidden aspects. It just, it's just the breeding ground for all, all manner of destructive things. Here's the real problem. At its core, and if you, don't, if you don't remember anything else that I say today, walk out the door and remember this. At its core, worry and anxiety are unbelief. They're rooted in unbelief. If you want to think of it in terms of a relationship, anxiety and worry are earmarks of the infidelity of our trust and belief in the Lord. Okay? May seem a harsh word, but we're very prone to give ourselves passes on this stuff. And you know what else? We're pretty prone to give other people passes too. Most common thing, if I find out my brother is worried or, or my sister in the Lord is worried, is to get right in there and share that worry with them. Because that's how we show empathy. Do you know that's not the correct response? The correct response should, it needs to be loving, don't get me wrong, but we need to grab that person by the scruff of the neck and go, knock it off. Knock it off. You're a child of the king. What are you doing? What are you doing 
groveling around here, okay? At its core, worry is unbelief. Unbelief is an insult to God. This is why I said several minutes ago, the main travesty of anxiety and worry isn't, isn't the damage that it does to each of us individually. It's the damage that it's doing to our relationship with the Father. And it's the damage that we're doing to the reputation of the shed blood of Jesus Christ what, to a world around us that's watching. They're watching. You guys know that. They're watching all the time. They're always watching to see. And what should be the testimony of our lives? Peace, joy, not anxiety, not worry. We should be the ones that are on cruise control in the midst of the storm. They think the waves are crashing, the, the cannons are going off, or whatever. And we're not, we're not jumping on the anxiety bandwagon with the rest of the messed up crazies around us, all right? If you really think about it, when we pull something aside and decide we're going to, you know, we're going to worry about this thing, we're going to have anxiety over this thing. And by the way, if I failed to say this before, you are in control of your thoughts. If you don't think you're in control of your thoughts, well, then we need to have a different sermon and go back on that. You're in control of your thoughts and you're responsible for controlling your thoughts. And I won't, and I won't coddle you uh, about that. But if, you, but if you sit back and think, when we decide that we have this right or we've decided to hold something to ourselves, it's as though we're saying to God, well, God, I know, I know you did that thing about you know, speaking the cosmos into existence with your word. I know that you breathe life into every living. I know every planet, every star, every molecule of matter in the universe. But man, you know, my grocery bill, I think I got to have that one on my own. It's so stupid. It's just so stupid for... But... The reason I say at the core is unbelief. You see, if we're going to sweat bullets over our grocery bill, or we're going to sweat bullets over what we think the doctor's going to tell us next Tuesday when we get the results of whatever thing that just happened, I'm going to submit to you something about believing that God really did speak the cosmos into existence and really did know you before the foundation of the earth and really... There's something missing in your belief there if you're able to believe that on the one hand. He knew me before I was even formed. He, he, he knew me as I was knit together in my mother's womb. But at the same time, I'm going to sweat bullets about a report card or something? What? What? Now, sometimes those can be concerns, okay? Let me hit the balance. Junior comes home. That's some report card problems. That's in the concern category. We can deal with that. And we should deal with it. It's our responsibility to. But it's not our place to start getting ourselves. So, you know, anxiety, I mean, 
Here's a real simple thing that's bad about it. It's hard on your body. <laughs> you know that? Your pulse rate elevates. Your blood pressure goes up. You're likely to have insomnia. You're likely to have digestive problems. I mean, we were not designed to function with lugging anxiety around all the time. I think we're clear on why it's a big deal. Let's talk about how we guard ourselves against anxiety. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm not giving you like, here's the six steps, eight steps, ten steps, whatever. That isn't what this is. There's plenty of that out there. And, it's, and probably, I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just going to try and hit some, some uh, key ones and not keep you all here till 1 p.m. <laughs> that was a joke. I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep anybody past 12.30, promise. No worries. How do we guard our hearts against anxiety? These are not necessarily in order. The first one may surprise you. Recognize that you have enemies. You may say, what? What? I thought Jesus told us to love her. I'm not talking about whether you love them or not. I'm talking about before you bowed at the cross, before you became a bondservant of Jesus Christ, before you were redeemed by his shed blood, you were an enemy of God. Now, if you've never thought about that, think about it. You may say, well, I don't know. I really think I was an enemy. Hey, yeah, you were. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. That's what the word says. When we move into the kingdom of God, God's enemies become our enemies. <laughs> All right? And I'm not, this isn't a devil behind every bush sermon or anything like that. I'm just telling you, if you think you're walking along and, there's, and there are no enemies out there whose desire to knock you off, you are extremely naive and you're a sitting duck. You're a sitting duck to get nailed. Now, I'm not saying we go fixate on the enemies. We don't, we don't grant more power or authority to the enemies. All I'm saying is recognize that you have enemies. Before you came to Christ, you were at enmity with God. Period. After you come to Christ, you're put in right relationship with Him. You're no longer His enemy. Does God have enemies? Yes, He does. Do they become your enemies? Yes, they do. So, don't be surprised. That's the whole point. If you, if you recognize they're out there, we're not going to sit and fixate on them. We're not going to sit and give them more authority or power or anything else. But to say that they're not there is just plain dumb. To say that they're not there is a very naive thing. That goes hand in hand with, don't be surprised when trouble pops up. I was in a business meeting not long ago, and I can't disclose too much detail. Whoops, there it went. 
This is the little foam. Nah, hold on. The little, the little foam guy that keeps your uh, breath from whistling across the microphone. Um, I was in a business meeting where there was a fair amount of discussion about where there was a, frankly, a failure to perform for the business to perform up to, you know, maybe what it should have, and. And uh, there, was a there were a lot of reasons presented. A lot of reasons. This, this didn't happen on time. The, you know, this, we didn't receive this on time. This vendor did something. And after a while, I realized this is about four hours of the dog ate the homework. Okay. I've listened to about four hours of the dog ate the homework here. Did the dog eat any of the homework? Oh, yeah. What was wrong? They were surprised every time the dog ate the homework. And I, t and I told them as a group, hey, this is what the challenge of running a business is. You make a plan, and all along that plan, dragons pop right out of the ditch and try and knock you off the plan. Okay, and you may say, "Well, Steve, that doesn't sound like you know, God was really had His hand over that." But no, it's not that. It's not that at all. God blessed it. God blessed it mightily. It's unrealistic of us to be surprised every time a trial or a tribulation popped up. That's my point. Do we get up every morning saying, "Bring it on"? No, I'm not. See, I'm not saying that. But do we encounter a trial and every time we react like, oh, oh, I, I can't believe, I can't believe this person feels that way about me. I can't believe that someone would do or say something that unjust about me. I can't believe, I can't believe the way Alan's dressed today, whatever it is. <laughs> we should not be, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry. That's just payback for the cow jokes. <laughs> we should not be surprised when things crop up. All right? The difference between our walk and what's happening around us isn't necessarily the, the number of challenges we encounter. It's how we react to the challenges. It's how we respond to the challenges. Now, don't misunderstand me. Do I believe that God puts a hedge and a covering over us? Absolutely, I do. And I stand here as living testimony that he has done that. But I don't have any idea that I have an expectation of a Disneyland, uh, you know, uh, la la land life that never involves any pain or sorrow or grief or challenge of, of any kind everything just happy we'll get there that's not this life that's the next one alright praise God we look we do we do look to the future in that regard when we're borrowing trouble in this life that's the definition of from the future that's the definition of worry and, and anxiety This may seem a funny one to, or an odd one, 
when it's, we're under the category of guarding our hearts against anxiety, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Why do I say that? Because pride is at the root of so much worry and anxiety. Think about that a little bit. What do we mean when we say that? Pride is what makes us be anxious about how we think someone is going to react. How, what are they going to think of me? You know, what if I stand up there and say that and they think I'm a doofus? You know, what if I come off looking silly? What, you know, that's pride-based if I have anxiety about that because I'm worried about my own image. Did you ever notice this? Jesus Christ, you know how much time Jesus Christ spent uh, on self-justification? Right, Vance? None. Zero. He never spent any time. When they came up and said, you know, they accused him of things, he didn't. He didn't go, no, let me explain it to you. Da, 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 da. And he never did that. But when his father's honor was at stake, that was a different response. That was the meek, humble Jesus that took the cord and drove the money changers from the temple. I'm telling you that for us as believers, we should be programmed the same way. What people think about us individually, whether they think my pants look goofy or my hair, what hair? Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> my beard is, I don't care. I don't care. But if you start messing with my dad's honor, <laughs> that's a different response. And there is, I'm going way far afield here. There is such a thing as righteous anger. Do you guys understand that? Yeah. Because there's some, there's the thought around that all anger is bad. And uh, hey, unmanaged anger and misdirected anger is absolutely horribly dangerous. But righteous anger, the kind Jesus had when he said, this is a house of prayer. My father's house is a house of prayer and you guys have turned it into a den of thieves. That's a righteous anger. He was not worried about his own reputation. In fact, it cost him a fair amount to go do that. You know? We want to humble ourselves. Okay. Maybe here's the second punchline. How do we guard our hearts from anxiety? Shut off the sources of anxiety. <laughs> you know, uh, let me tell you what. There, there has to be some balance. In my business, not that many years ago, I came close to spending several thousand dollars to get a library of certain technical information because it had gotten all the way to being available on microfish and it wasn't going to take up books and books and books and do you know that if I stepped out in the lobby right now I could probably find anything that I ever would have looked for in that microfish on here in like 
30 seconds. It's scary. It's scary. As a resource to finding technical information or something, it's undeniably uh, powerful. But I want to break some news to you if you don't know this already. You were not designed to know everything that everyone, everywhere, is doing all the time. And you cannot know that. And you were not designed to know, I mean, I'm talking about whether it's a social media thing or the news. I mean, I'm not the only one here with one of these. It popped us up. What are the headlines? The headlines are designed to make you anxious. The headlines are designed to plant some worry so that you will pick the thing up and delve a little bit deeper. And sometimes when you do read it, you go, huh, the headline was so misleading because it, because it tried to make this sound like anxiety and it's like nothing. Like it's a non-event. All right? But the but here's the point, people. When we, we, we don't have an obligation before the Lord to know the latest thing that CNN or Fox News put out 12 seconds ago. And you're, you drive yourself insane if you even try. I heard a sermon in the 1970s by a guy named Winky Prattney and he talked about so a coming, a coming uh, culture that, was, that he referred to as Newzak. Ever talked to you about this? Newzak. You know like Muzak? That's elevator music. Newzak. This is in 1970. He said, the day is coming when having news this fast will be the thing that drives everyone. And I'm here to tell you, we're there. We're there. And the point of it was, if you're driven by the need to know that so that you know it just before he knows it, or that he can't possibly come up to you and he can't come up and say, Steve, did you hear? Yeah, yeah I already heard. Alan could come and say, Steve, did you? Oh, yeah, I already heard that. I already heard that. I heard that five milliseconds before you did. <laughs> See, that's the danger of Newzak. That's the danger. Now, don't misunderstand me, people. I'm not proposing we all go stick our head in the sand and ignore world events and things. I think, I think we, there's a balance, and I think we have a responsibility to, to be aware of the times and seasons. That's what Jesus said. How are you going to know the times and seasons? Well, you've got to pay attention to what the leaves are doing and whether things are budding or or flowering or wilting, all right? But, but, to know what your third cousin's best friend's neighbor's sister-in-law had for breakfast is too much information. You are not designed to know that. You will not, you're not designed to know it, and you will harm yourself trying to know it. 
Obviously. How do we guard our hearts? Prayer. We shouldn't have a worry list. Anything that looks like a worry list should be a prayer and petition list. All right? We take it to the Lord. We take it to the Lord. And you know what else? Speak to your own soul. Do you guys ever speak to your own soul? But David did that a lot. You read the Psalms and you realize, well, sometimes he's talking to the Lord. Sometimes he's talking to uh, his fellow countrymen. And a lot of the time he's talking to himself. He is saying to himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he just goes right down the list. He's preaching to himself. He's recounting to himself God's faithfulness, God's goodness. He's, he's making himself, as Philippians 4.8 says, meditate on good things. Things that are true. Things that are right. Things that are lovely. Things that are that are beautiful, not things that are disgusting. I mean, I wouldn't ask for a show of hands, you know, because I wouldn't want anybody to embarrass themselves. But I, I would dare say there's people here that know an awful lot more about the marital strife uh, between some movie star couples than they ought to know or that they need to know. You know how much of that you need to know? Zero. You're, it's wasted space in your mind to know that. There's, a, there's absolutely no benefit to be gained from it. Well, okay, this thing may be going in the pocket. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know if I can get it to stay on. Next time I'll bring glue. Um, it's not too bad without it, is it? Okay. Those are ways that we guard our heart, people. We pray. That should be our first recourse every time. We have to recognize that we're in control of our thoughts. We're the ones in control of whether we worry or, or, or have anxiety about something. It's not something that we're powerless to deal with, okay? And we're responsible to control our thoughts. We're responsible to control our thoughts. I want to put a wrap on this, and I want to maybe aim it toward the fathers that are here. There, there are a lot of fathers here. Um, by the way, you've heard it several times. I'll go ahead and say Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, I want to speak specifically to the fathers because... Dads can get a pretty good, you know, they can get a pretty bad rap. Uh, obviously, this word, if you're a father, don't let worry and anxiety take you out of your game. You, you, we cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. We cast them up. We don't try and carry them ourselves. You know, fathers play 
a really critical role. Fathers are, their role is to protect and to provide security. I mean, that's a biblical role. And playing that role is so critical in the development of children because, you know, when, ch- when children are well fathered, it shows. They're, they tend to be fearless. They tend to not be anxious. They tend to not be worried. And I know there are many people here that may say, well, Steve, you know, that all sounds good, but I'm here to tell you, that's not, that's not the natural father I had. My natural father fell short of that by a long ways. That's sad, but it need not be the definition of our life going forward. Amen. And the reason for that is, I mean, I think I think there is even a I think there's even a thing abroad, and there's kind of an orphan spirit, really, in our nation. This was talked about. I think Laverne, you talked about it this morning, pre-service prayer. There's an orphan spirit that arises from this acute lack of of sound fatherhood. But the orphan spirit is not a curse on us, all right? Whether or not your natural father lived up to providing the the security and the provision that he should have has zero effect on how well fathered you are by your heavenly father. Because by your heavenly father, You are perfectly fathered. You are perfectly protected. You are perfectly provided for. Dads, if you find yourself saying, well, my dad wasn't that great or my natural father wasn't that great, be sure that you're confessing the great father that you have now and 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 not harboring not harboring uh, any ill feelings toward your natural father but just clinging to your heavenly father your heavenly doesn't matter how great your natural father was and you could have had a fantastic one won't hold a candle to your heavenly father amen he's the standard when we go along as dads, it's not too tough to stumble once in a while. I think any dad, if he's honest, it happens. We, we get put in a situation, maybe we make a decision, we realize later, wrong decision, oops, wrong reaction, oops, whatever. If we stumble, Here's my, here's my admonition to fathers. Don't wallow in it. Don't wallow in it. Repent. Apologize if you need to. Cast that care to the Lord and drive on. Drive on because I believe, I believe that as earthly fathers, we have an assurance from the Lord that he will empower us to be the kind of earthly fathers that he wants us to be. And probably, if I could sum it up as one thing to dads, get up every morning and pray as David did.
Victoria, could you put up Psalm 139? Please, thank you. Man, just start off every day. Some of the translations say, and know my thoughts. This is Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Because that Hebrew word for thoughts that's used there means troubled thoughts, anxious thoughts, worried thoughts. I think having this as a way to start a day is the way to set the frame. God, my heart's wide open. And I'm asking you by the Holy Spirit to plumb and probe and poke and point out to me something. Point out to me if I have some anxiety or I have some worry. Point out to me something that's buried in there that shouldn't be, that's not part of you. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. I have a, I, I mean, I would like to speak a blessing over the dads, if that's all right. Not, not, maybe this is in addition to whatever else you have in mind, but uh, yeah. And it, it really, it's the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be generous unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. That's a blessing I pray over dads here. That's the blessing I speak over all of you. Thanks for your time and attention. I appreciate it and I love you all.